College Republicans on one campus fire back after an investigation by their school. How denouncing anti-Semitism landed them in the headlines and what they've learned about the shocking actions of their university ever since. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. Also ahead, restoring true science education in schools. We'll talk to the author of a fascinating article about how students in the U.S. can catch up to their peers in other countries. Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We're going to get to those stories and more in a moment here. But first, for background, if you're new to the show, welcome to Educate. We are here to take a deep dive into the central issues of education, providing criticism and positive solutions to problems. We are also showing you ways to get involved on behalf of your kids, featuring some great guests with insights on things that that matter and things happening in our classrooms. My name is Liz Collin. I am a Minnesota-based journalist, an author, a documentary producer, a wife, and perhaps most importantly for this show, a mom. And happy to be with you as we navigate this crazy world of education together. Speaking of a crazy world, uh, let's make it to our first story that comes to us from the Daily Signal. Butler University investigates college Republicans for condemning anti-Semitic chants. This is actually a real headline. I still struggle reading it out loud, uh, clearly. Uh, But here's a, a bit of background. While other universities, including Rutgers, this story points out, have suspended a group called Students for Justice in Palestine over violations of discrimination and harassment policies, Butler University apparently is investigating anyone who dares to condemn the pro-Palestine organization. Indianapolis-based Butler University launched an investigation of the school's college Republicans uh, on October 30th, according to an email obtained by the Daily Signal. Butler did this after the GOP club condemned the school's Students for Justice in Palestine chapter for holding an anti-Israel protest only five days after the brutal rape, torture, and slaughter of over 1,200 Israelis at the hands of Hamas terrorists. For more on this story, I want to welcome in the chairman of the statewide College Republicans organization, speaking on behalf of all of this uh, at Butler, but his name is Chris Elmore. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Appreciate it very much. Just just take us back to five, six weeks ago now uh, in, in October, you know, the, the backstory a bit. And what was specifically said uh, at these protests that led, you know, the, the, these groups to weigh in? Sure. So I actually found out about this investigation starting about a week after it did uh, in early November. Um, I had been on a phone call with the club president and he said, hey, just a heads up. Um, we don't take this very seriously right now, but the university has placed us under an a, uh, investigation regarding the statement that we released. And uh, I had known about the statement. I approved of it. I, I, I agreed with it. And so when he mentioned it, uh, we were, you know, heading into municipal elections. I said, OK, keep me posted with whatever happens next. So then, you know, what their statement had said was uh, they were condemning the uh, protesters who were chanting anti-Semitic stuff in downtown Indianapolis, they chanted, not a victim, not a crime, in reference to Israel, just a few days after Hamas had massacred uh, more than a thousand Israelis uh, in South South Israel. So, uh, of course, we supported the Butler College Republicans saying something about it being a positive influence on their campus. 
And while we were surprised that this statement was being investigated by the university, we didn't really understand the gravity of the situation until until later on when we realized that it was a uh, investigation adherent to federal civil rights laws being a Title IX investigation. Yeah, this is just just wild. Again, the chairman of the statewide college Republicans, Chris Elmore, is is joining me to talk about the situation at, at Butler. In addition to the not a victim, not a crime chant, I, I'm reading in the Daily Signal about the protesters on October 12th, uh, repeated several anti-Semitic chants, including from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which calls for the ethnic cleansing of Jews from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. So this group wants to get involved, uh, the college Republicans, and and condemn you know the these actions. But yet then you're facing uh, trouble as as a result of, of all of this. So so talk about um, are you then surprised when you you learn fully as to what the what Butler is is actually doing and, and going after after your group? Well, I am surprised. You know, um, when you actually read the. Uh, code of conduct that they have and their their rules and regulations regarding you know calling for violence or or, um, or, disc- or their dis- discrimination policy I think they call it uh, it's very much uh, against what these Palestinian protesters in Indianapolis were saying right. but it's being utilized in a way to go after the people who are reporting it. So the people who are doing the right thing, trying to keep their communities positive. Yeah, I think that, you know, this continues to, to make news because it's really quite remarkable um, how this became even, uh, you know, it, it seems any, uh, it seems remarkable that this is even something you have to, to talk about, that you're going to condemning these actions, what, ha- what happened in Israel, uh, you know, leading to this slaughter of, of 1,200 people people. And uh, here, here are the college Republicans uh, trying to say you don't want anything to do with, you know, s- supporting such a message on, on campus. And, and yet you're, um, you know, being investigated. Do you know currently where this investigation uh, stands uh, after all of this? The club was informed that they will that they could either get an official warning or be disbanded from cam- on their campus. I said this in my statement, but when bureaucratic university demagogues can erase the rights of students on their organizations based off of, you know, who they agree with. Well, wonders how these lessons are going to be transferred into the next generation of leaders across the country and in our institutions. Yeah, Supersat is right. Uh, Chris Elmore, again, uh, serves as the chairman of the statewide college Republicans uh, in Indiana, speaking on behalf of this situation in Butler. And I'm curious, have you heard of this um, this happening, that other college Republican groups across the country have come under fire for, for condemning such uh, such protests? Yeah, I, I've heard I've heard small stories about college Republican clubs getting harassed on campus or uh, or, or, or individual members maybe getting yelled at on campuses for supporting Israel. Um, but nothing, I haven't heard about the university administration stepping in and taking this impartial of a role, or this, or I'm sorry, this partial of a uh, position in the, uh, in the investigation. 
Yeah, absolutely. Again, the chairman of the statewide college Republicans organization. His name is Chris Elmore. He's going to hang on uh, for just a bit here as I have a few more questions, hoping to talk a little bit more about how this has affected just uh, overall feelings on campus, especially, you know, you have to think of how the Jewish uh, students are are handling uh, all of this. And, um, you know, as as it seems that uh, you almost have to t- t- take sides here in, in the world uh, we live in. But thank you, Chris, for hanging on. Uh, a reminder to our listeners here that you can get exclusive digital access to the most informative, nonpartisan, truthful news source from patriotic Americans. Discover a refreshing blend of time-honored values, principles, and insightful perspectives within the pages of the New American magazine. Delve into a world where tradition is the foundation and exploration knows no bounds. From politics and finance to foreign affairs, environment, culture, and technology, we bring you an unparalleled array of topics that matter most. For more, visit thenewamerican.com slash educate25. It's a 25% off deal happening right now. Again, that's thenewamerican.com slash educate25. Leftist propaganda, endless pronouns, critical race theory, sexually explicit books accessible to minors, and more. Our public education system is a complete mess. That's why you should consider Freedom Project Academy. They have perfected online learning, offering live, on-demand, and homeschool courses for K-12. Freedom Project Academy was built on Judeo-Christian values and classical curriculum. Visit freedomforschool.com. That's freedom, F-O-R, school.com to request your free information packet. We can't afford to hand over another generation to the left, so let's take back your child's education. Once again, visit freedomforschool.com. That's freedom, F-O-R, school.com. Welcome back to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. And again, I am joined by the chairman of the statewide college Republicans. Uh, his name is Chris Elmore. He's nice enough to, to join me speaking on uh, kind of the state is the statewide chapter in, in all of this, but specifically uh, what has transpired at Butler. Uh, but Chris, so we took a, it sounded like a couple hits in our audio before. I wanted you to just read again, if you could, uh, the statement that w- that was issued on behalf of the, the college Republicans in the wake of, of all of this. Sure. Um, the Indiana Federation of College Republicans stands by and wholeheartedly supports the actions of the Butler College Republicans. It's clear from the evidence that no part of the statement that the club issued was incorrect or mischaracterizing. Further, it's our responsibility to denounce anti-Semitism in our communities, just as this chapter did. In a national environment where the spread of anti-Semitism is rampant and spreading through our higher education institutions, we have witnessed an insufficient response from universities across the country. The responses given in a House hearing recently by the presidents of Harvard, UPenn, and MIT regarding whether or not calls for Jewish genocide were considered hate speech is a perfect example of this phenomenon. Today, we are discovering the same problems are also prevalent at Butler University. And, and and talk more about that, Chris. What do you make of this response? I think it's been kind of a head scratcher for those of us paying paying attention. I, I don't even know if you call it a, a response or a non non response. But what are your thoughts? 
Well, I think it's really disappointing. I think that it's promoting hatred and, and, and anger among student populations, and it's not doing uh, just service to the students who are going to these schools. So it's very disappointing, but it's not very surprising. And I think that universities today and really members of my generation mm-hmm. have become fixated on this worldview in, every, in everything of the oppressor and the oppressed. It's a victim mentality. And when they have been told that this is the structure for all of humanity since the beginning of time, it really dilutes down com- complex issues such as Israel-Palestine into this binary mindset. And I think it's really unhealthy for uh, for our students today. And, you know, you're located uh, also in Indiana. And, you know, a lot of us think of these states as, you know, I'm in, I'm in Minnesota as well, that, uh, you know, this isn't happening here. And uh, this is exactly where this is uh, where this is all all happening um, but talk about that. What are you hearing, you know, specifically from from students who are Jewish um, in the wake of all all of this? They have to feel under attack almost on a, on a daily basis, it seems. Sure. And let me go ahead and expand on that also. I, I mean, I, I have a lot of Jewish friends in the area. I uh, The town I grew up in has one of the highest Jewish populations in the state of Indiana, And, you know, but most people my age are, you know, lean left. They're Democrats. But no matter what side of the aisle Mm -hmm. they are on, the the Jewish students that I know right now feel unsafe and they feel unheard and they feel disrespected by people who they've known since they're in elementary school. So it it really is a shocking time. And I, I, I was on the phone with a friend of mine the other day. And he said, I can't believe it, but this is making me want to actually vote Republican next <laughs> cycle. And I said, I, I don't blame you. I, we're, not, we're not trying to put down your existence and we're not coming out and being anti-Semitic in the face of this massacre. So it, it's, uh, it's not surprising. It's, just, it's, uh, it's super sad. And what's what's incredible here, too, it doesn't seem like these pro-Palestine groups um, are quieting down. I mean, I'm just speaking uh, specifically to things that have transpired in the Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota area. Uh, Do you see that uh, on college campuses as well, that this has almost emboldened them uh, to, to continue this this behavior? Well, since this uh, this story broke with the Daily Signal, most schools are, are out in Indiana already. So I haven't been able to gauge the uh, the on campus response to something like this yet. But I'll tell you that up until you know just a few days ago on campuses, it didn't it didn't slow down. There were still protests happening, and um, I, I I I hear about several protests a week on campuses throughout just Indiana. I can't even imagine how many across the country. And you guys specifically, I know now, are asking for an apology uh, from Butler University and the termination uh, of this political witch hunt. Those are the words from the, the statement here as well. Are there any predictions here as to what Butler's next move will be? You know, I don't want to speculate, but from what I understand, they are coming under increasing pressure to just conclude this investigation right off the right from, you know, at the beginning of next semester. Well, whether or not they do that, we'll have to see. 
But I, I do think that the students at Butler, at the Butler College Republicans and the state are owed an apology. I mean, this is a school that takes federal money that, that's been propped up by, uh, by, by, many, by many Republican figures, by many Jewish figures, and, and all and Hoosiers throughout the entire state. <laughs> and so when this university, this institution that's being propped up by the taxpayer are violating the civil rights of members, issuing directives to uh, violate their own freedom of speech. I think that I think that countless people are owed an apology about that. So I feel for the, the Butler College Republicans, and I really hope that number one, this investigation comes to a conclusion, and number two, that they get the apology that they deserve. Well said. Again, uh, Chris Elmore, the chairman of the statewide college Republicans in Indiana. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for fighting back. I think far too many people uh, stay quiet on on these issues, uh, but we appreciate you speaking out. Well, thank you very much. We'll be sure to keep you in the loop on uh, what happens next. Absolutely. Keep us posted. Thanks again, Chris. Nice to hear from a young person who has life so squared away, it it seems. perhaps gives us a little bit of hope for the future here. Uh, We're going to have a great conversation still ahead here on Educate, Restoring True Science Education in Schools. We're going to talk to the author of an eye-opening article about how students in the U.S. can catch up to their peers in other countries, really pulling back the the curtain on what kids are being taught when it comes to to science. How did science become uh, political Uh, of all things, but we have fifth graders uh, learning all about uh, climate change and whatnot. So we're going to get into that coming up and and why kids need to head back to the science lab in order to compete with these other countries. So that's still ahead. Leftist propaganda, endless pronouns, critical race theory, sexually explicit books, and more. Our public education system seems to be a complete mess. That's why you should consider Freedom Project Academy. They've perfected online learning, offering live, on-demand, and homeschool courses for K-12. through Freedom Project Academy was built on Judeo-Christian values and classical curriculum. Once again, visit freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. Uh, a reminder to our listeners here that you can get exclusive digital access to the most informative, nonpartisan, truthful news source from patriotic Americans. Discover a refreshing blend of time-honored values, principles, and insightful perspectives within the pages of the New American magazine. Delve into a world where tradition is the foundation and exploration knows no bounds. From politics and finance to foreign affairs environment, culture, and technology, we bring you an unparalleled array of topics that matter most. For more, visit thenewamerican.com slash educate25. It's a 25% off deal happening right now. Again, that's thenewamerican.com slash educate25. The John Birch Society has been working tirelessly since 1958 to preserve freedom, safeguard the Constitution, and restore our God-given rights. We continually educate voters and lead the freedom movement. Join us as we work against a tyrannical one-world government. United as one, we can defeat this conspiracy against a free America. JBS founder Robert Welch said, education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. Go to jbs.org and join us in restoring this great nation.
Welcome back to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. My next guest recently wrote an article that appeared in the New American Magazine entitled Restoring True Science Education in Schools. Rebecca Terrell is the author of that story, which I think is such a great one, and I'm thrilled that she's uh, joining us to talk about it. Rebecca, thanks for being here. Before we get into this fascinating story of a retired physicist, I guess, of, of all people, kind of fighting back uh, himself, just, just set the scene a bit, I think, for our listeners to begin with. What do the tests tell us, uh, Rebecca? I'm kind of wondering, you know, how bad really is it? How do students in the U.S. Uh, measure up in science, uh, specifically compared to their peers in, in other industrialized countries? What did you find out there? Right. Well, that was actually what drew John's attention to this was that even though we've had all of these millions of billions of dollars poured into United States education, we're still we're seeing that in the United States, students rank only 25th, for instance, in science on the International Assessment Test which is known as PISA, Program for International Student Assessment. And our nation trails far behind countries such as uh, China, Japan, Canada, UK. These are countries we don't we don't need to be letting them get ahead of us, uh, especially not in science. Mm. You know, we, we've heard talk of us becoming continually more of a service economy. We need to go back to being that manufacturing economy or we are going to lose our lead in the world as we're doing on so many levels. But our children are our future. And, and what we're talking about here is, is we're focusing on K through 12 in our talk today here, Liz, because yeah. this doesn't this doesn't affect college. By college, students are already formed right. or in this case, indoctrinated. Yeah. And bringing in this uh, John Droz story a bit to the conversation. Again, we're talking to Rebecca Terrell, the author of a great new uh, article that appears in the New American Magazine entitled "Restoring True Science Education in Schools." So this is a, this is a guy uh, retired, right, and uh, obviously has a background in science, and he becomes so troubled by by what he finds and wants to do something about it. Right. He had been he had served on several local school boards, and he so he kind of knew the ropes already a little bit, but he was surprised too in his journey. On this, he just, you know, of course, like I said, he first he sees that, okay, we rank 25th behind all of these, all these other countries, especially one of our major uh, adversaries, China, in science. And he knows how important science is to, uh, you know, the, the critical thinking that scientific education imparts, which affects all other areas. You know, the, the, the fact that the scientific method teaches you to problem solve in all areas of your life. And he's seeing not only a, a, very uh, lack of that among students. He's also seeing students graduating. I think he said something like four million students a year graduate from our nation's public schools. And they're all indoctrinated with all of this climate change fanaticism, which is just uh, completely uh, one of, I believe, the people say that that COVID is the largest hoax ever perpetrated on mankind. Hmm. I kind of I disagree with that in a way. It's the largest um, hoax that that everyone identifies as a hoax. Um, climate change, I would say, is an even bigger one because so many people are still asleep to the fact that it is a hoax. But anyway, so he, that's one of his big pet peeves is, is climate change. And so he started looking into it, and he approached his state, and he lives in North Carolina, and he approached the state uh, board of education 
and said, you know, what gives here? What what are you basing your science standards on? And he found out that it was this thing called the Next Generation Science Standards, which has only been around for about the last 10 years. But every single state in the United States, except for Florida, now uses it as their standard for K through 12 science education. Yeah, and it's incredible because I think that that you you know as you point out I don't think people even even know this but here's this guy he files a written complaint with the North Carolina Department of Instruction. He finds kind of this complex system that he's able to navigate uh, to to try to change things, but but yeah, you're right. This basically throws the scientific method out the window, and I think the scientific method basically applies to all occupations, right? Just asking how, what, when, who, you know, why, all all of these questions we we should know from from an early age. But but John basically finds that this is not uh, not happening anymore. Right, and the Next Generation Science Standards is a document that is based on another document called a framework for K through 12 science education. Now, John read every single word of both of these documents. Nowhere in the NGSS did he find the scientific method even mentioned. Hmm. There was one sentence in the framework that said, we're throwing out the scientific method because it promotes, uh, it promotes, um, uh, what was it? Uh, some type of logical thinking. <laughs> uh, that, that's got to go. Thinking. <laughs> yeah. You're right. They said it promotes linear thinking, so it has to go. It's not holistic. Is what. Well, immediately he objected to that because, first of all, linear thinking is very necessary. It, it helps kids go from point A to point B to point C. It is a logical method of right. thinking. Second, the scientific method skillfully combines linear thinking with lateral thinking, which is the more creative thinking. So you've got the best of both worlds. So he objected to that on two counts, but right there in black and white, he had the proof. They intentionally threw out the scientific method, which is the basis Hmm. of true science. He said the real reason they want to get rid of it is because it's embarrassing them. He, uh, you know, the, uh, and then again, he looked into it. It was the National Academy of Sciences that came up with this framework as well as the NGSS. And who is the main backer of the National Academy of Sciences? You know who it is, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah, it's incredible and- all the, the political um, connections you point out in, in the story. Again, my guest is Rebecca Terrell, the author of Restoring True Science Education in Schools in the New American Magazine. Uh, and you specifically point to this fifth grade assignment that I was already, you know, scratch, scratching my head over. Uh, having kids, basically, they're, they're assigned to discover the benefits of, of wind energy, and then they're forced to, to write about that. But that's how, even how it's framed. Hey, find the benefits of wind energy. Right. No, and the shortcomings are, are conveniently ignored. And then, you know, there's there are no benefits, of course, of fossil fuel. And, you know, perish the thought that we even mentioned nuclear. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's this indoctrination that is very subtle. A, a child who's being led by a teacher in a classroom situation is not going to question. It's not going to say, hey, wait a minute. You know, they're just going to do what they're told to do. And and quite frankly, Parents aren't paying enough attention. Right. Um, even the school boards. Um, John said that he found his interaction with the state school board in North Carolina wasn't so much that they were intentionally trying to undermine scientific education. They were not aware that this was happening. And what he also found was that the this the National Academy of Sciences and, and several other uh, state and national education groups, including teachers unions, had... It was a bulldog blitz uh, on 
all of these school boards at the same time to really push NGSS. And that's how all of a sudden, within a span of 10 years, which is not a long time, it's been adopted by 49 out of 50 states. Now, I will say it is still implemented in, in North Carolina, and John is still working to get it extracted. But what he has achieved is he has uh, gotten the State Board of Education to agree, yes, the scientific method must be re-implemented right. within the state standards. It can't be ignored. You write so beautifully, uh, quote, by the time they get to high school, students are accustomed to navigating the woeful world of bureaucratic eco-babble through projects such as developing an environmental policy that presents, quote, a solution to a complex real-world problem based on prioritized criteria and trade-offs that account for a range of constraints, including cost, safety, reliability, and aesthetics, as well as possible social, cultural, and environmental impacts. What? <laughs> you, you ask? Uh, exactly. I think that that, uh, that, that sums it up uh, just perfectly. I'm going to uh, just uh, take, take a quick break here. But again, my guest is Rebecca Terrell, the author of Restoring True Science Education in Schools in the New American Magazine. And I want to talk about uh, that a bit more when we come back. This is not just a North Carolina problem, as Rebecca uh, points out. You know, the, these 49 states also obviously uh, kind of falling victim to this curriculum as well. And and you're right, Rebecca, parents don't, don't seem to know. So we're going to talk more about that when we come back. This show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. Again, this is Liz Collin with Educate. We're back in a moment. Welcome back to Educate. This is Liz Collin, and so nice to be talking with Rebecca Terrell today on Educate, uh, the author of Restoring True Science Education in Schools in the New American Magazine. Really just a a fascinating article. Uh, We were talking before the break, Rebecca, but it seems that parents don't actually know about uh, how this has really even made its its way into their their children's classrooms at, at this point, correct? Sure. Well, I mean, how, how would they really? God bless them. Parents are, are working really hard to keep hearth and home together, right? And they, they trust uh, their schools to properly educate their children. And then things go awry and they scratch their heads and wonder, wonder what, you know, what happened. You know, you've got a situation where a child is in a schoolroom every day, all day, for most waking hours, and they're being just pummeled with this information about this, like we said before, eco-babble, just climate change, climate change, save Mother Earth. And it's not just in science class. Some some states are even mandating climate change curriculum in, in, to infest every single subject. So like all of your math, your, your word problems in math are always going to deal with a climate change topic. Hmm. And, you know, Liz, I, I want to call this what this really is. This is child abuse. This is mental child abuse. What Mm. they're doing is they're scaring these children. Little children, I remember, I I grew up a long time ago, that it was back when they were telling us about the next ice age that was on its way. The world was going to freeze. And also along with that, they were scaring us with acid rain. 
and they would have these pictures in our school books of these mean-looking raindrops. That's that's scary to children. Right. And I remember bringing it home to my mother being worried. And she said, oh, Rebecca, that's just a bunch of propaganda. Don't worry. Thank God I had a mother who said, because the minute she said that, I didn't worry anymore. Mama knows. (laughs) Mama knows best, right? But a lot of people don't, a lot of children don't have that at home. And this is frightening to them. And so they're act, they're reacting to what they're being indoctrinated. I won't even use the word educate. They're not being educated. They're being indoctrinated in schools and they're being taught to fear mm-hmm. and react out of fear. Imagine if they were being taught things like, I don't know, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. <laughs> Where now we have that we, that's so common in our culture now, Liz, that we even have an acronym for it, mm. OMG. Mm. That's pitiful that, that the, this focus on all of these lies about climate change and all of this fear, just implanting the fear and constantly react to fear, react to fear, react to fear. That's what children are being brought up to. So no wonder that, no wonder we have all the problems that we have with, um, you know, uh, chemical drug drug right. abuse and, and all of this people the kids are trying to escape what they think is the real world and it's not and so then there's this guy yeah like you know the, this guy john droz who you bring out in in your story so he is you know obviously this is a he calls it an education game changer i guess right as uh, he's able to get the the scientific method uh, back in in school or at least considered in in north carolina but this is um you know obviously a, a bigger fight um, and, and it sounds like he's not backing down. Uh, he says that uh, his next goal is to get critical thinking actually taught in uh, U- the U.S. K through 12 science uh, class. So, so bring us up to speed. Where does this uh, stand now? Well, I, I'll tell you what, what the, what the uh, next generation science standards do is they are actually taking you away from studying the details of biology and chemistry and all of the other sciences because they're they're too laser focused. They want a more holistic approach. Well, you know, I quote one um, conservative pundit in here saying, "If you take those away, you can't you can't address real world problems holistically because you don't have the foundational information that you need." Hmm. Um, so that's why John is focused on. Critical thinking is his uh, big mantra. He says, if you don't learn how to think critically, um, to say, okay, you're presented with information and you have no foundation by which to say, is this true or false? Is what I'm being presented with true or false? It's kind of like I pointed out to somebody the other day, we were watching an old uh, presentation about uh, the nuclear nuclear bombs, nuclear warfare. And you know, you have those pictures, and we've all seen them, of the areas out in, what is it, out west where they did the nuclear bomb detonations, mm-hmm. the bomb testing back in the, back in the 50s. And um, you see the houses getting blown away and this and that. And yet the camera doesn't flinch. You don't see the camera yeah. flinch once. And I said, I said, do you think that that's real? Do you think that that's real or could it possibly be a psyop? You know, th- think critically about what you're seeing right in front of your eyes. It's just like this, uh, We with let's go back to climate change. People are saying, oh, the glaciers are receding, isn't it terrible? What's underneath those glaciers? Guess what? The remains of forest 
forests used to grow far above where the natural tree line ends now hmm. in these areas where the glaciers are receding. Does that mean that the glaciers receding is outside the bounds of normal climate fluctuation? No, it doesn't. Let's forget about follow the science. Let's look at look with our eyes right in front of us. If there are forests, if there were forests growing there at one time, that means that the glaciers receding is well within the bounds of natural climate variation for Earth. And guess what? We don't have a problem. In fact, hmm. it's a better thing because back then we know we had the, the medieval warm period and the Roman warm period and all of these warm periods in the past when there weren't glaciers there. And life was a lot better on Earth. <laughs> so it might be something that we should really be happy about. Not that we could do anything about it anyway because mankind doesn't have the power to affect climate the way that these um, radicals are saying that we do. I like this, Rebecca. We are getting an education in, in science uh, l listening to you. This, this is great. Again, my guest is Rebecca Terrell. Uh, she recently authored Restoring True Science Education in Schools. You'll find it in the New American Magazine, a November edition. But I know John says in your story, too, uh, taking full advantage of this lack of attention, progressives have aggressively infiltrated the curriculum of subjects like science and history. That's a whole segment in and of itself uh, with deception and misinformation. Uh, this results in some three million propagandized new U.S. citizens every year. For America to survive, we simply cannot let this continue. And with that, um, you know, the last couple minutes we have together here, Rebecca, what would you say uh, to, to parents? You know, I think that there's always things that, that people can do and weigh in, certainly uh, after reading a, a story like this, it makes you want to take action. But, but we're not all helpless in this, uh, are we? Not at all. In fact, John has composed a fantastic document, so nobody has to reinvent the wheel here. This is basically the same scenario in every single state. So if you're concerned about this, all you have to do is go on. John has a wonderful a blog. It's called Critically Thinking. It's on Substack. The, the full name of it is Critically Thinking About Select Societal Issues. You can find his, uh, oh, I forget how many pages it is. It's like a 50-page document document where he gives all of this information about how he uh, how he achieved the success in North Carolina and how you can do the same in your home state. Um, you don't have to wonder whether it's happening in your home state or in your children's schools. It is. We know that unless you're in Florida. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and we also have, again, you know, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. So Florida can't mm -hmm. just sit back and rest on its laurels. It needs to also remain vigilant about this and make sure NGSS doesn't seep in there. So you can go on there. John's already done the homework for you. Uh, he does not charge anything for this. He doesn't, you don't have to subscribe. You can read his Substack without any subscribing or any, uh, uh, subscription rate or anything like that. Um, and it, it, the, and the document that I'm, that I'm mentioning, um, has all sorts of links if you want to dive deeper into any one of these particular areas, but it, the document is called the key to fixing the U S K through 12 education system. And it's by John Droz. His last name is D R O Z. So it's very easy to find him online. I just say, you know, it, Again, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance, and that and it begins at home. You have to be your own caretaker and your children's caretaker. Ultimately, it's God is going to hold you ultimately responsible, mm -hmm. not the federal government, for educating 
your children. And, and this is not just public schools. Uh, these no. are private and parochial schools as well, as you point yes. out in the story. Absolutely, because the private parochial schools are also, they have to follow the state dictates or they don't get, right. first of all, federal money or state money, but they also don't get accreditation. And that's what everybody's going after is accreditation because it's all tied in with the money. What an important conversation and an important story. Rebecca Terrell, again, uh, the author of Restoring True Science Education in Schools. Thank you so much. Hope you'll continue your great work with, with The New American, but really appreciate you being on, Rebecca. Thanks, Liz. You're listening to Educate with Liz Collin. A reminder that this show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. Can you believe after all the recent violent protests, looting, and destruction, some communities are considering either defunding or abolishing the police? If you agree that now is the time when police protection is needed most, then it's time we stand up and support your local police and the communities they serve. Call 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet. That's 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet today.